Rossini's Il Babiere di Siviglia, a story of deception. She doesn't say, I am obedient. She says, I can be. A comedy of class and manners. For an aristocrat to lean on a servant, that was extraordinary. But with a dark heart. He's a little frightening, actually. He's someone you, you don't want to mess with. And some of the greatest operatic earworms ever written. I'm Katie Derham. Welcome to this Glindborn podcast. At dawn, Count Almaviva sings at the window of Rosina, a beautiful young woman who's being kept under lock and key by her legal guardian, Dr. Bartolo. The Count wants Rosina to love him for himself, not for his wealth and stature, and so he is disguised as an impoverished student called Lindoro. In comes Figaro, the town barber, but so much more. A man with a finger in every pie, a know-it-all and the masterful but benevolent Machiavelli of our plot. Francesco Izzo is professor of music at the University of Southampton. Figaro is a character bursting with energy and with life and that he's really full of himself. He talks about himself in the third person and he takes great pleasure in letting us know that he's got money and that everybody needs him and that he's the best. The Count believes that Dr. Bartolo is Rosina's father, but the all-knowing Figaro sets him straight. Bartolo is her guardian and also plans to marry her. Internationally renowned soprano Danielle Denise. I think Rosina is both strong and a victim. That's what makes her so interesting. You know, she is trapped in the world of Bartolo. He's kept her very much under lock and key. But... The minute that we meet her, we see that she's not somebody to be kept under lock and key. She would love to break free. And the way that she romanticizes that break, that way of freedom, is through a sort of love, a love romance with a swaggering, um, roguish creature who will come and sort of whisk her away from this prison that she lives in. Rosina has fallen for Lindoro's charms, completely unaware that he is actually Count Almaviva. So she makes a plan to outwit Dr. Bartolo and marry Lindoro. In her famous and feisty aria, Una Voce Pugafa, we get an early glimpse of the formidable countess Rosina will become in the next chapter of Beaumarchais' Figaro trilogy. 
she tells the audience, I'm docile, respectful, obedient, sweet, loving. But if you cross me, I'm a viper. I sang Una Voce Poco Fa from the age of maybe 11. And now looking at the piece, <laughs> what's quite funny about Rosina is that she doesn't say I am obedient and I am compliant. She says I can be, I can be obedient. I can behave the way that people expect me to behave. But that actually at the core of her is somebody very strong-willed. It's something she can employ when she needs to. Rossini's Il Barbiere di Siviglia premiered in 1816 in Rome. It's an adaptation of the first part of the very popular Figaro trilogy of plays by the French writer Pierre Caron de Beaumarchais, which was written and performed between 1775 and 1792, just before and during the French Revolution. As Stephen Wadsworth, director of opera studies at the Juilliard School, explains, Beaumarchais' trilogy belongs to a more politically charged era than Rossini's operatic version. The prerogative of the aristocracy is quite vividly shown in the Count. He comes in and expects everything to happen for him. What's fascinating and huge about the play is that at that time, for an aristocrat to lean on a servant class person, Figaro, who, in fact, he realizes is more enlightened and educated than he is to solve every problem that he has, that was extraordinary. Although The Marriage of Figaro is the second part of Beaumarchais' trilogy, Mozart's operatic version of it premiered in 1786, just a year after it was written, and Beaumarchais himself became more left-leaning as he progressed through the trilogy. The former ruler of France and the incumbent and Napoleon, all three of these people considered the Beaumarchais marriage of Figaro to be actually catalytic in, in the revolution, a key step towards revolution. Back in Il Barbieri di Siviglia, Don Basilio, Rosina's music teacher, warns Dr. Bartolo that Count Almaviva is pursuing Rosina and suggests a plan to discredit the Count by spreading slander about him. This brilliant aria clearly displays one of Rossini's musical trademarks, the so-called Rossini crescendo. Here's Francesco Izzo to explain. The Rossinian crescendo is something very specific. Typically, we're talking about a four-bar cell, which is repeated several times, and each time we hear it, more instruments are added so that the, the texture grows thicker and the volume of the music grows louder. This produces extraordinary excitement. In the orchestra, one can hear the slander that, that circulates and the gossip that grows louder, more and more people talking. 
In the accompaniment, for example, initially you just hear and then it becomes As new instruments are added, the range stretches towards the top, so instead of having this, you have this. Figaro has been listening and knows that Dr. Bartolo plans to marry Rosina as soon as possible. With no time to lose, Figaro encourages Rosina to write a letter to Lindoro to encourage his affections, and he tells her he'll deliver it. But she's more cunning than he knows. She's already written a letter. Stephen Wadsworth. Rossini stretches that moment out a little bit in the most delicious way, where he spells out her name, R-O-S-I-Z-N-E-A-N-A, Rosina. That has always been a favorite moment for me. There's a hint of an attraction between Figaro and Rosina. It's not meant to lead to anything, but there's a like-mindedness and a spiritedness that they share that she doesn't share with the boy in the street, which to me is very touching and, and shows us Figaro for a moment as someone so worthy of, of a particular love who doesn't have it. Even though they are separated by class, I think they're kind of cut from the same cloth in terms of the fabric of their personality. You know, she'd plant a seed, use her charm to, you know, get Figaro wrapped around her finger, and then say, actually, I've done it all. It's ready. Though Count Almaviva is in many ways the typical bel canto tenor romantic lead, he's also a study in 19th century class politics. He's a powerful man who pretends to be several lower class characters throughout the opera. But when he's under threat, he removes the disguise and falls back on his powerful status and influence. This becomes apparent at the end of Act One, when he arrives at Dr. Bartolo's house disguised as a drunken soldier, demanding lodging so that he can pass a note to Rosina. When Dr. Bartolo turns him down, a row ensues. 
To avoid arrest, the disguised Count secretly reveals his true identity to the police captain who arrives to quell the conflict. Since all except the captain and Figaro think the disguised Count is just a rowdy nobody, they are amazed when he's allowed to go free. The final Allegro is a typical Rossini comic finale. No one knows what's going on. Don Bartolo freezes, he turns into a statue. <laughs> That's what the words say at that point. No one really knows what to think, but suddenly this man, who again has been acting as a drunken soldier until just moments previously, is suddenly the only one in complete control of the situation. He even outdoes Figaro. We are shown, as an audience, that uh, the law may be the law, but the way in which it is applied varies depending on whether this is actually a drunken soldier or whether this is a nobleman. It's a wonderfully absurd and funny end to the first act. What follows in act two is an increasingly complex web of deception and double-cross. The Count, still known only to Rosina as the student Lindoro, again arrives at Dr. Bartolo's house to trick him. He pretends to be Don Alonso, a substitute for Rosina's usual music teacher, Basilio. He shows Rosina's letter to Bartolo, and in order to earn his trust, he offers to help discredit the Count. The plan works, and as Dr. Bartolo snoozes, Lindoro and Rosina sing of their love while she is supposed to be having a singing lesson. Rosina sings an aria, an aria from an imaginary opera called L'Inutil Precauzione. Uh, this aria begins with gestures, with vocal gestures and with orchestral gestures as well, that are typical of opera seria, that there is a heroic dimension to what she sings, which fits very well with the words. The words at that point says that, that you cannot really fight a heart that is ignited by love. This music lesson scene is a moment in which a leading lady can really go to town. It creates space for seriousness and emotion in the midst of a highly farcical situation. And in the past, it offered the opportunity for famous prima donnas to insert some of their favourite great crowd-pleasing arias. When Dame Nellie Melba sang Rosina in 1900 at Covent Garden, she famously chose the rather lengthy mad scene from Lucia de Lamamour. This supposed singing lesson was sometimes spun out over several musical numbers. Danielle Denise again. 
For me, the voice lesson, it's quite complicated as a scene because it's so easy for it to just fall into funny. And there are many elements that are funny about it. You know, them having to be very clandestine and expressing their affections, the fact that Bartolo's having a shave in the same room. But actually, what I would like to see is a genuine, genuine expression of love that isn't necessarily about, as you can imagine if you try to visualize it, lovers creeping off around a harpsichord to, you know, have a little giggle. Figaro arrives to give Dr. Bartolo a shave and surreptitiously steals the key to Rosina's balcony to give to the Count. But they're caught out by Bartolo. Furious, the old doctor is determined to marry Rosina that very night, by force or by love, and convinces her that her impoverished lover is actually an imposter working on behalf of Count Almaviva, who wants to marry her. Heartbroken, Rosina agrees to marry Bartolo, and the orchestra whips up a storm. After the storm passes, Figaro and the Count climb a ladder to Rosina's balcony and enter her room. She is at first outraged by Lindoro's apparent betrayal, but when the Count finally reveals his true identity, she's delirious with joy. They go to leave, but the ladder is gone. Don Basilio turns up with a notary, ready to marry Rosina to Dr. Bartolo. But again, we witness the Count's control of a tricky situation. He bribes Basilio and threatens to put two bullets in his head if he won't help secure his marriage to Rosina. Not quite the romantic hero, then. At this point, he's got the girl, and he reveals a completely different facet of his personality, which is much more serious. He's a little frightening, actually. He's someone you, you don't want to mess with. The Count has everyone in the palm of his hand, and Rosina will be his wife. Figaro triumphantly leads the song. The youthful, spirited Rosina will now become Countess Almaviva. When we meet her next in The Marriage of Figaro, she'll have aged a bit and morphed into a rather different character. I don't, wouldn't want Rosina to be built in Barbiere as a wilting, insecure, sad and, and wistful person. She hasn't become that person yet. So we're getting, I mean, Barbiere is like the prequel, you know. We're getting to know these characters before we met them in Marriage of Figaro. And that doesn't mean that necessarily who we met in Figaro is who they are. Maybe these versions of Rosina and the Almaviva is who they are. And... The Mozart operas is what they became through life experience. But for now, a happy ending.
The music you've been listening to was taken from the EMI Classics recording of Il Barbieri di Sevilla, featuring Vittorio Gui conducting the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Victoria de los Angeles was Rosina, with Sesto Bruscantini as Figaro.